Welcome to the Quality of Love Podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of Arose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We've made it to another question and answer episode. But before I get into the quote of the week, question and answer episode, and all that good stuff, just want to send a major shout out to Restore for Life. Restore for Life is an organization that focuses on enhancing the relationship between foster parents and kinship care parents, right? So kinship care individuals are individuals who may not be in foster care, but they're in the care of a loved one, like a sibling, cousin, sister, brother, whatever the, the case may be. I got to do some a three-week workshop with these individuals in the world renowned Professor David, David excuse me, McDonald from Syracuse University, one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had. I'm looking forward to being able to come back and work with Restore for Life in September as well. If you've not heard about Restore for Life, I'm going to try to get the one and only Yvette Williams on to speak to it. She's the founder of Restore for Life to speak to the organization, some of the things that they do, some of the things that they've done for the community of Syracuse. They're doing great things. Um, I just feel honored to have been in their space and to be able to to be their circle keeper for that time. It was amazing. Um, we, we revealed and, and got a lot of heavy emotional stuff out of the art and the clay experience. So. Shout out to Restore for Life. Shout out to Professor David McDonald. I'm looking forward to working with you all again this coming September. With that being said, let's get into the show. The quote this this evening comes, I, I don't actually don't know where it comes from, but I wanted to share it because I am certainly at this space in life where I'm feeling like there's there's a lot on my plate, right? And not that I'm complaining in any way, shape, or form because I never want to come off as complaining. Um, but there's a lot on my plate. And one of the things that keeps coming to mind as I'm, I'm prioritizing everything that's on my plate at the moment is to whom much is given, much is tested, right? And I may have shared this quote on the podcast before, but I think it's relevant for where I am in my life right now and where I am in, in my career to do, do that kind of positive self-talk and keep reminding myself that to whom much is given, much is tested. Um, I have... I mean, no doubt in my mind that I've been tremendously blessed um, with multiple skill sets uh, to be able to, to help out multiple people on multiple avenues. And I just I like to try to remind myself of that and, and keep that in mind, because sometimes the reality is and being completely transparent, I get lost. Right. I get lost either in the stuff I got going on. I get lost in the stuff other people got going on. And sometimes that causes me frustration. Right. But I, I think. The thing, again, in the quote that I've been holding on to that's that's held me down for quite some time now is to whom much is given, much is tested, right? And I know that I've been blessed tremendously with various skill sets. So with that understanding and knowledge, what I do is I try to take heed to that and understand that at the end of the day, the Lord has blessed me. He'll continue to bless me to be able to help others. I just have to be strategic and make sure that I'm not running on empty when I'm helping others, right? I want to be my full self and present as my best self when I'm going to do the work of the Lord. All right, let's get into exposing some of these narcissistic individuals and their relationship characteristics. Question number one from the narcissist side of things is, do you think narcissists know they are narcissists? Once again, that question is, do you think narcissists know they're narcissists? With my studies, I would say that probably 80 to 90% of narcissistic individuals are aware that they are narcissists, 
right? Or they may not think of themselves in terms of being a narcissist. They may think of something like um, self-absorbed or like I've heard a crazy spin recently put on narcissistic behavior and that, um, oh, I'm just an achiever, right? Or I'm just goal-oriented. Yeah, but you don't have to be goal-oriented and not take heed or not pay attention to others' needs as well. So um, you, you get a lot of that with individuals who are narcissists and they don't know it. As far as the narcissistic individuals that uh, do know it, I should say, as far as the narcissistic individuals that don't know it or it may be a part of their subconscious, those individuals just use the, usually, excuse me, have an experience that was extremely negative from their childhood where they feel like they have to protect their inner child or they've had the experience, frankly, where they were catered to in their childhood, told that they never told no or rarely told no. And what happens is they've developed this this lack of self-awareness, really. Um, and that made them think that the world revolves around them and the world is all about them. So, excuse me, those are the two cases in which I've seen about 90% or so, I would say, know exactly who what they are, know exactly how to manipulate it, and they'll continue to do that. Whereas with the other 10% or so, they don't know it, right? It, a lot of it is, is derived from their upbringing. Question number two. Why do nasty narcissists suffer from so-called God, God complex? Once again, that question is, why does nasty narcissists suffer from so-called God complex? I'm assuming by nasty, and please feel free to email me if, you, if I got this wrong. I welcome that feedback. But I'm assuming by nasty narcissists, you mean individuals who are mean or outright overtly mean in their behavior and displaying their behavior. Um, that so-called God complex that you speak of is simply a narcissistic self-absorption, right? They're all narcissistic individuals or individuals who display narcissistic behaviors and relationship have one commonality. And that commonality is they're very self-absorbed, right? So the world is all about them. They're so great. They're, they're all of these great things within their own world. And if you buy in, obviously, um, they believe you believe it as well. I'm learning over time, though, in dealing with some of these people and constantly having interactions and conversations with narcissistic people within relationships, that kind of God complex or that overt need to, to prop themselves up and put you down, that's really hiding some insecurities that they hold, right? And, and the more I interact and engage and coach narcissistic individuals, I realize, oh, like it's, it's not always a bad thing or it's not always derived from this need to just dominate. Sometimes those individuals are, are protecting the insecurity that they have. And over time, I've, I've grown to be extremely empathetic to those individuals because really it's not a God complex. It's their way of protecting whatever insecurities that they never took care of in their life. Question number three, do narcissists accept their partner's wishes, especially if their partner wants to break up with them? Once again, that question is, do narcissists accept their partner's wishes, especially if their partner wants to break up with them? I've seen that situation go both ways. Um, situations in which I've seen narcissists, narcissists, excuse me, let their partners go specifically is when they had a new supply or when they got a new supply. And again, I just want to make sure that we're all clear on the wording. Supply in the narcissistic world is an individual who's totally bought in to the narcissist, into their behavior. Um, into kind of who they are, right? So this is a person that believes the narcissist is great. They believe the narcissist is this wonderful person. And they may, again, just to be clear on this, 
because I, I don't want my words to get mixed up. It's nothing wrong with this supply, right? This is just someone who was charmed into believing that a narcissistic individual was the one for them, right? And in instances in which I've seen a partner want to break up with a narcissistic individual and that narcissistic individual let them go, they already had a new supply or they found a new supply rel relatively quickly. If they find a new supply, the chances are they won't try to get you back because they already know you figured them out. Instances in which they've not had a new supply, I've seen narcissists go really long periods of time harassing the partner that left them, um, trying to create a smear campaign, meaning talking bad about them to anyone who will listen, frankly. Um, I've seen them stalk them. Uh, I've seen them constantly call them from different numbers, right? So they'll use many tactics to try to get you back and to try to get you back into the loop. The most known tactic that they'll use is going back to the beginning. Right. So they'll go back to that extremely charming person that you fell in love with to woo you. And then eventually when they feel like they got you comfortable again, that's where they take advantage of you. And you start to see that narcissistic behavior displayed all over again. So be careful. It's a dangerous lane to operate in when you're talking about leaving a narcissistic individual. But if you have the chance, I always recommend leaving. All right, let's touch on this relationship side of things. I got a couple questions from our relationship side of things here. Um, and let's help some people out. Question number one, can open relationships work if both partners are not on the same page? Woo. Can open relationships work if both partners are not on the same page? Actually, just uh, earlier today, Literally, I just uh, made a video, a TikTok video on this because there's, long story short, there's a viral video going around right now where a woman says that uh, her spouse of nine years cheated on her or, or stepped outside of their relationship. And now she set a new rule or a new parameter for their relationship that states that um, essentially they're going to have sex outside of the home as long as they don't bring back any diseases or bring back any babies. Everything's good. And they're going to love on each other and care for each other and raise their child and just live this happy life and be blissful. I think that that is it, it's such a flawed ideology. It really is. And anybody that I've ever coached, interacted with, um, even in casual conversation, had a conver casual conversation with, has spoken about the long term detriments of that, not only to them and their partner in the relationship the long-term detriment that they or impact that it had on their youth or their kid that they had together, right? I share that story with you to answer this question in this manner. There's absolutely no way, no way an open relationship can work if both partners are not on the same page. The only time I've ever seen an open relationship work was when both partners had absolute clarity around what their expectation for the open relationship is, right? So what's the expectation? Have y'all set the expectation? Because if y'all haven't, it's an excellent time to do so, right? So you, we want an open relationship or you want an open relationship. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's set the parameters around it, right? If you can have dialogue around it, I think it would make it um, much easier to, to take if you have something you really want to do. Because if you don't have dialogue around it and you're not on the same page, chances are one of those partners are going to get offended, upset feel jealous, right? All of those heavy emotions that um, are detrimental, again, to the relationship in the long run. Question number two, 
When does a woman lose interest in a man? Once again, that question is, when does a woman lose interest in a man? I've seen it pretty much across the spectrum, um, but most of the time I've noticed that when a woman loses interest in a man, um, she stops paying attention to him uh, that much, right? So she doesn't pay much attention to him. Whereas in the beginning of a relationship or at the beginning of you all courting each other, she was extremely attentive to things like your haircut. Did you get a new haircut? Right. Your your eyes, anything like um, the smallest little things that you'd be like, dang, I can't believe she noticed that. And all the fellas, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, dang, I can't believe she noticed that. Oh, she must be feeling me. When you stop getting comments like that um, or she stopped calling you and asking where you are, or what you're doing, if you're hungry, when she stops putting effort forth, then chances are you lost her interest. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, I don't have any background or context to your relationship or your situation right now. But I can tell you, if you are one of the individuals that have lied consistently or have been cheating quite a bit, um, a woman will lose interest. And in those situations, even if she does agree to come back temporarily, the relationship never, never returns to that same dynamic, man. So um, if she's lost interest to you or in you to the extreme, like you cheated, you consistently lied, um, your words and actions don't align. You might as well just go ahead, bro, and get up out of there because uh, he's probably never, never going to be interested in you in that way again. Question number three. Why my ex-narcissist narcissist can't control his new girlfriend? Once again, that question is, why would the, why my ex-narcissist can't control his new girlfriend? They done slid over, the narcissist question over into my relationship category, I see. It's cool. I'll answer it. Um because everybody can't be controlled is a simple answer, right? Uh, and especially nowadays, I've never seen the amount of, of strong, determined, assertive, independent women in my life. So um, if that narcissistic individual came across a strong, assertive, independent woman, she's not going for that. And that's just the reality of the situation. She probably has her own money. She probably has access to her own resources. And women that have access to their own money and their own resources they're not trying to be controlled by a man, especially a narcissistic man who's self-absorbed and is not catering to their needs. I would invite you to take a play out of her, uh, yeah, a play out of her playbook because um, pay attention to what, what, what she's doing and the things that's not working for him and try to incorp incorporate a little bit of that into your life. So that way that you never run into a narcissistic individual again, right? If she said no to something, that's that's how you should be, right? If she said yes to something, that's how you should be in terms of just holding that person accountable. When you hold a narcissistic individual accountable, when you don't let them take advantage of you or put themselves on a pedestal while putting you down, they have no way to control you. And uh, the other last piece that I'll share with you, because this is a funny piece, make sure you get some popcorn ready, put it in your closet or something like that, or your cabinet, excuse me, or something like that, because this is about to be a show. Right. You if you really pay attention, he's going to be miserable with this new woman because she's not going for any of it. And this is an excellent opportunity for you to sit back and watch the karma that's coming his way, because I guarantee you it's coming. And last question, number four, for our relationship side of things, do resentment build up towards X after staying friends, then realizing the relationship is never going to be the same? Once again, that question is. Do resentment build up towards X after staying 
friends, then realizing the relationship is never going to be the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you start to feel resentment because I think, and again, based off of what you're saying, please feel free to shoot me some feedback um, to the email if I'm wrong. But it sounds like based off what you're saying, you had ulterior motives, frankly, right? You started off with wanting to just be friends. You realize that that's the box that you're in right now, right? You're, you're in that friend zone or that friend box and you want it to be more, right? So it sounds like to me that you wanted to be friends in an effort to eventually end up in a relationship again. With that being said, yeah, that you're going to start to feel resentment towards that person because it sounds like they're not in the same space. I'll say this on this podcast quite often. I believe an ex is an ex for a reason. Um, you're supposed to go back to learn lessons from that relationship, but to go back into that relationship, majority of the time, it never works out in a way that you want it to work out. So stay friends for now, right? Whoever your partner is or your ex-partner at this point in time, let them dictate when they want to be in a relationship and don't feel any resentment towards them, right? Because the reality is, you both broke up for a reason. There was something that wasn't working within that dynamic. And if you're trying to force that dynamic back together before you're getting that clear or getting clarity around that, I just think it's, it's a setup, right? It's a setup and you will feel resentment because you're thinking ABC, the partner is thinking or ex-partner for that matter is thinking XYZ. And those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. All right, that's all we have for this evening. If you have any questions, get them in to us at tqlp20 at gmail.com. Once again, that's tqlp20 at gmail.com. Or feel free to hit us up on our Facebook page, The Quality of Love Podcast. Don't forget about those five ingredients to a lasting relationship. Number one, trust. Number two, communication. Communication as in dialogue, right? Back and forth communication between you and your partner, or you actively listening to their needs, they're actively listening to your needs, you're able to create a real game plan moving forward. Number three, knowing your partner's love and apology languages. Not only knowing how to love on your partner, but also knowing how to say sorry to them in a way that they feel valued and they feel comfortable. Number four, the ability to shift with the ever-changing dynamics that are coming or that will be present in your relationship, right? Whether that's a baby coming, whether that's marriage, whether that's engagement, there's going to be some type of external dynamic that presses or pre applies pressure to your relationship. Make sure you have the ability to navigate those relate or those dynamics within your relationship if you want to create a lasting one. Then number five, unconditional acceptance. Accepting your partner for who they are right now, but also knowing that they're working to be the best individual that they can be. That's it. That's all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Looking forward to all the work we have carved out for us this coming fall, heading into winter. Just a, a great time. And I thank everyone that's listening, that's downloaded, that's subscribed. Keep listening, downloading, and subscribing. We're trying to take this to the next level. Without further ado, everyone. The quality of love and relationship that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.